Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Three, two, one. But I'm working out. I love to listen to your podcast. Whenever you say something, other people react to it. Taking my breath away, Aaron. Fern Lundquist joins me. Hall of Famer Jim Calhoun. NASCAR icon Dale Earnhardt Jr. Kirk Herbstreet is on the phone. Here we go. Come in, everybody. Episode 289 of the podcast that is sweeping America. The Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. It is Thursday, September 3rd, 2020, people. It is the first day of FBS football for the first time since, uh, really since January, since LSU beat Clemson. We are getting big-time college football this evening, and we got a great show for you today leading up to it. Obviously, look, I'm not going to be breaking down the two games tonight. Shout out to the uh, South Alabama Jaguars. We will not be breaking down the South Alabama too deep on this show. Here is what we will be talking about though it was obviously another surreal couple days in the Big Ten since we last spoke obviously the big news being that President Donald Trump got on the phone with Kevin Warren the commissioner of the Big Ten uh, and we will talk about that topic obviously it is political I try to keep politics off this show and we will try to keep politics away from the conversation but it is an important conversation because as I said last episode the Big Ten has become a soap opera as the Big Ten turns and this is the latest twist so what does it mean why did it happen and what could potentially happen happen next. I will also address something that many of you have asked privately. uh, Why is no one going to bat for the Pac-12, right? The Pac-12 is obviously the other power player in college football, if you can even call them that anymore. And many of you have said like, look, we've seen the Big Ten parents protesting. We've seen the Big Ten players upset, Justin Fields, on and on. Why is no one going to bat for the Pac-12? I have some interesting thoughts on that. We will talk some actual college football on the field news as Georgia quarterback, starting quarterback, projected starting quarterback, Jamie Newman, actually opted out of the season. Obviously, I have some thoughts on that. And then, of course, we'll wrap with some college basketball. Jay Wright announcing that he will return to Villanova. And two quick shout-outs to end the show. I do very briefly want to talk about our girl, Carol Baskin. That's right, all you cool cats and kittens. We are talking Carol Baskin to end this show. She is back in the news. And a very special shout-out to end the show that you do not want to miss. And if you listen to this show and have some questions about some of the shout-outs to end each and every episode, this will give us some clarification. All right, before we get started, people, I want to remind everybody, please make sure that you are subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. You can do it on iTunes. You can do it on the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, the Podcast Addict app is the way to go. 
Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts, make sure that you're subscribed. As I mentioned the other day, for people who are new to the show, new to podcasting, don't understand why you need to hit that subscribe button. Basically, it allows uh, you to get a new episode every single time that a new episode is posted. We are up to three episodes a week now, and so this allows the, the episode to be sent straight to your phone. You don't need to go searching out. You don't need to wonder when I'm going to be posting new episodes. It gets sent straight to your phone, so make sure to subscribe. Make sure to rate and review the show. Go ahead and give us a quick five stars. Let us know what you like. As I've said many times, where you're checking in from, all of those things, ratings and reviews really do help us move up the iTunes charts. Of course, also make sure to be following on social media at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. As I've said before, I will be starting a Twitter page specifically for this website or for this podcast and for my content. I'm going to be having some other guys help me out with some other content. So if you're not subscribed uh, and, and also if you're not following on Twitter, make sure to do so. We will also have a separate Twitter page for this show as this show continues to expand. And finally, uh, oh, by the way, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, a lot of clips and previews of this show are available on Instagram, so make sure you're following there. If you just search Aaron Torres podcast, you'll find us pretty easily. Finally, we are on YouTube posting videos from this show onto YouTube. So make sure to follow us on YouTube. Uh, you can also get caught up on old interviews that I've done. I hope you enjoyed the Bobby Kremens interview last week. Also the Archie Miller, uh, Obi Toppin, Mason Jones. Those are all posted to YouTube as well. So if you missed those episodes, you can find them on YouTube. You can obviously go back and search old episodes. As I've said many times, for those of you, it's the fall. If you're just now getting back to work, a lot of those uh, interviews that I did from the from the spring and early summer are pretty evergreen. So go back and listen to my interview with Rick Barnes, with Archie Miller a few weeks ago, with Cole Kublik, which was an excellent one that looks great in hindsight. Uh, whoever else, I'm trying to remember, Mark Pope, Patrick Patterson, all the guys that we had on this show throughout the spring, you can go back and listen to those old episodes. They are archived and available. And with that said, people, there is no more time to waste. And let's get into the big topic of the week as I said, the Big Ten, it is a soap opera. It has been a soap opera for really about the last month or so. Never forget, it was about a month ago that the Big Ten released its football schedule, got everybody fired up. They were actually supposed to be opening their 10-game Big Ten-only, conference-only schedule this week. A couple days later, we, get, we hear the reports that they may be canceling the season. A couple days after that, they do cancel the season, and it has just been one negative headline after another after another in the Big Ten for all the reasons that I've discussed on this show. The, the, the process never made sense. The timeline never made sense. And over time, more and more people have gotten on board with me and called out the Big Ten for its hypocrisy. As I said a minute ago, Parents are protesting. Players are upset and being very vocal. Uh, some of them are suing the league. Everyone is kind of in agreement. This didn't make sense. It shouldn't have happened the way that it did. Um, and one, I guess you could say, pretty powerful person got involved this week. You want to talk about as the Big Ten turns, this soap opera that we've been watching for the last two, three, four weeks unfold. We find out Tuesday afternoon via President Donald Trump's Twitter feed that Donald Trump has been in touch with Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, about playing Big Ten football. 
Uh, it's surreal. It's unbelievable. I cannot believe that we're here. And before I get into the meat of this, let me let me just even backtrack and kind of explain something, guys. Is guys and girls, by the way. One, I just want you to understand. I try to stay away from politics whenever I can on this show. Obviously, more and more as time has gone on, the two things, sports and politics, have crossed. But you know, even when I've talked about the coronavirus or whatever, I've tried not to give any type of political opinion. I've tried to base it on facts. I've tried to, to be fair to you guys. I understand everyone comes at this stuff from a different perspective. Obviously, I have my own perspectives, but frankly, my political opinions don't matter. You don't tune in here for my political opinions. You do not care. I do not care to share my political opinions because I know you don't want them. So I always try to be careful. I always try to toe that line. But obviously, when the leader of the free world, when the president of the United States throws himself into the middle of the biggest topic, certainly in college sports, I would argue in all of sports right now, it's something that I have to talk about. And so before I get into it, and this is kind of the political element of it, um, you know, let me give a little bit of credit to Kevin Warren. I have completely crushed the guy over the last two, three, four weeks. I believe it's mostly been justified. I believe he had no idea what he was doing when he took this job. I believe he didn't have time to build relationships with the school presidents. And I do feel bad in a lot of ways for him because the school presidents were the ones that made the ultimate decision. And he is the guy that has had to take all the bullets for the school presidents. As best I can tell, none of them have made a public comment on the decision except for Ohio State and except for Nebraska, two of the three schools that have actually voted for football this year. If you remember, there were only three schools, we talked about it on last episode, that actually did vote for football, and that was Nebraska, Iowa, and Ohio State. Ohio State, their school president came out within the last day or so, says she hopes that we can play football in the fall. The Nebraska president has been pretty vocal this whole time, and everybody else has been stone quiet. The, the whatever it was, 11 school presidents that did not vote for football, that voted for canceling the season, they've been hiding, and they haven't been making public comments, and I do feel bad for Kevin Warren because I do feel like he had to take a bunch of bullets for things that I, I, I don't know that he was ever completely in favor of canceling, but it was never really up to him, and I don't think he handled it well, and I don't think his comments have been well, and I don't think he's been very good with the players and the parents, but I also understand that part of this isn't his fault. So first of all, let me give him credit. He took the call from the president, and it seems like he is open to working with the president to try and figure out if this can actually happen. I give the president credit. I understand why he made this call, which I will get into in a second, but my stance on this particular topic, independent of Big Ten versus Pac-12 versus SEC, independent of whether a president gets involved, a governor gets involved, whatever, my stance on this has been consistent since March, right? My stance has been when it is safe to play sports, I want to see sports back. And the professionals have been able to pull it off. They obviously have resources that a lot of the colleges do not. But my stance has always been, as long as it's safe, we should be playing college football. Now, if it isn't safe, and at this point, we basically have no proof. By the way, I saw right before I started recording here on Wednesday night that Central Arkansas, a team that played on Saturday, actually had zero positive tests and they had to travel to that game with Austin P. The game was in Alabama. They traveled, both teams traveled. Central Arkansas comes back. There are no positives on the team. And so my stance from day one has been, if it is safe, I think we should be playing college football. I think we should be playing college basketball. I think we should be playing high school football. 
I think we should be getting our country back to as normal as possible. And there are a lot of reasons that I think it's important to play college football, which I've explained on this show. It's good for a player's physical health. It's good for their mental health, the structure of football. It's good for opportunities to potentially put themselves in position to make a career playing football. Uh, It's great for the local economies around the cities of whatever, whether it's a a school that's playing or a school that isn't, it's important to the local economy. And so I've been in favor of figuring out a way if it's safe to play football all along. So whatever the reason was that the president got involved, I give him credit for pushing this forward obviously because he believes like I do that we should be playing college football if it's safe now to the politics part of it and this is the part that is inescapable and I understand it Uh, many of you who maybe don't agree with the president on a lot of things um, I think a lot of you would sit there and say well he's only doing it for political reasons okay and for people who do not understand the context of that Again, I am not a political uh, analyst. I I didn't major in poli-sci. I don't follow this stuff closely, but I'm not an idiot either. And I do understand that a big part of the reason that the president has decided that he is going to support the cause of the Big Ten is not because he cares about Penn State's football team or Illinois' football team or Nebraska's football team. It is because the Big Ten and several states in that footprint are very important for his reelection. Again, not a poli sci major, but whether it's Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Iowa, Nebraska, these are really important states that could swing either way in the election. And the president has decided that this is a stance that he can get behind it. By the way, maybe I was wrong on a couple of those states, or maybe I missed a couple of states. Again, I do not claim to be a political expert, but I'm smart enough to know that several states in the Big Ten footprint are important for the president's re-election. And so for him, this is a complete no-brainer, right? Get behind it. Obviously, there was some reports last week that Joe Biden ran some campaign ads that uh, you know were basically blaming him uh, for the fact that there is no college football in, in the Big Ten country this fall. So Joe Biden took that route. Donald Trump obviously took the other route by being very vocal and saying, I believe the Big Ten should play. Again, I understand it's for political reasons. I get that. I wish that we could keep politics out of football, but it also goes back to what I said a minute ago. I have believed since day one that for whatever the reason, we should be doing everything that we can to play football. And so I understand that the president is using this as a political platform, but I don't really care why he got involved. I just think it's important that more and more voices are speaking up on behalf of this cause. I joked about it with a friend If Martians came down from Mars and demanded that we play football, I would support the Martians because I think it is the right decision for all of the reasons that I have stated so often on this show and as I just stated a minute ago. For the players involved, for their future earnings in the NFL, for their potential off the field, for their mental health, for the structure that football brings. I think I've talked about it on this show before. I played high school football. One of my best friends got hurt his middle of our senior year, and he was a guy who football was his whole life. Football was the only reason that he went to school. It was to stay eligible to play football. He gets hurt the middle of our senior year. He doesn't end up graduating. And I'm not trying to be funny or facetious. Like, that really happened. And I'm not saying kids are going to flunk out and the whole world is going to come to an end. But what I am saying is the structure of sports really helps keep a lot of kids focused, a lot of kids grounded. It's why 
most guys, when they get in trouble, it's during the offseason when they're either not practicing, not playing, away from campus, whatever. You could go to a few weeks ago, University of Oklahoma, for like a month and a half straight, they had basically nobody testing positive for COVID-19. Lincoln Riley gives them one week off and like whatever it was, I don't remember now, 15 guys, 18 guys, 20 guys, whatever, come back and test positive. It was because they weren't in the structure of college football, of coming into the facility every day, of going from class to, to you know, from, from class to study hall, to practice, to weightlifting, to whatever. And I think these are really important issues. And so to me, I don't really care that the president got involved. I don't really care that he is using this as a political prop because I think that he is right. And I think that any pressure that we can put on the Big Ten to at the very least reconsider the decision, I think is a good thing. I think it's a good thing for the players, for the parents, for the fans, for the communities in the Big Ten. Now, I think the bigger question is <laughs> what happens next? And, and you saw all sorts of stuff from all sorts of media members over the course of, uh, I guess it was Tuesday night into Wednesday, where immediately, by the way, the same four, five, six media members that have been basically saying since April, we should never play college sports again. And you know who they are, and you know, I, I don't know why they act the way that they do, but of course, immediately they shot down the idea that the president was playing any role uh, in helping move along college football. And that was disappointing to me. I still, for the life of me, do not understand why certain members of the media are so vocally, I don't know if they're actively rooting against college football, but they're not exactly championing it to get back on the field. And I did think, and I tweeted this and a lot of you saw it, I thought it was really disappointing that many members of the media seem to be more upset that our president got involved with, with football than the fact that he may be helping move it along to get college football in Big Ten country back on the field. And so all I'll say is, one, I'm very disappointed in many of the media. I think it's why many of you guys like this show because I kind of just, listen, I think it's amazing to me. I think I literally have the least controversial stance ever. People are saying, oh, you're a homer, you're a this, you're a that. You just want college football for your livelihood. Oh, you must be a Trump guy because you support him. No. I think literally the most middle-of-the-road opinion you can have in this case is you want football if it's safe. That's all I'm saying. I'm just saying I think we should get college football if it's safe to have college football. And so I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know if this is the nudge that the Big Ten will need. Obviously, if you read the reports, the president supposedly offered up um, you know, testing services and all those things, but I, stu I still do think it ultimately comes down to will enough school presidents decide that they feel like based on whatever new information they're going to get, and maybe that new information, by the way, is public pressure, but that it's safe to play college football and play it here pretty soon. Um, that's the big issue, right? As I told you last episode of the 14 Big Ten presidents, only three voted in favor. They would need at least nine to vote in favor of playing college football. I still do think there is time. I still do believe if they would stop hiding, if they would start addressing this, I do believe that you can get players back out onto the practice field in the next week to 10 days. I see no reason that you can't start playing on October 3rd to 10th, which is what the president proposed in his tweet early to mid-October. Um, and I, don't, I see no reason that you can't play a schedule similar to the SEC, which doesn't start until September 26th. 
I would add, there was another piece of information that came out on Wednesday, which just proves how idiotic this decision has been all along. Did you see this story? I tweeted it out. Ohio State had an actual practice on Wednesday. Ohio State had an actual practice on Wednesday. If you missed this story, it was not in full pads, but they had on helmets, they had on shells, and they practiced. And so what you're now telling me, Big Ten, is you're telling me that you can, let's just understand what the Big Ten has said, you can and cannot do what is safe and what is not safe for college football players. The Big Ten has said it is safe for students to attend class with other students. In some cases, a place like Penn State, Ohio State, we're talking 40 plus thousand people on campus at one time. Big Ten said that's safe. Big Ten has said it is safe to live in school housing, sometimes hundreds of people in a small, condensed, closed space. The Big Ten has now said that it's safe to bring come back to the practice facility. As I've told you guys, these teams are still working out in the practice facility four or five days a week. And now we're actually having on-the-field practices, but somehow it's not safe to play football games. It makes absolutely no sense, and so I'm going to keep hammering it home. And if the president wants to get behind this for political reasons, I have no reason to, to be upset with it because I think that this was made, this, was made this, mis, this decision was made in haste. I think it was the wrong one, and I'm going to keep fighting. So we'll see what happens. Uh, we will have another episode next week, and I guarantee you there will be 10 new twists to this story between now and then. But as I've said, I believe that the Big Ten can get their players back practicing besides what Ohio State was doing. They can get back to practicing. They can get back to playing, and there's no reason that they can't be playing uh, early to mid-October. And by the way, maybe this is a situation like some other conferences where some schools opt out. I had a pretty plugged-in person in the Big Ten call me on Wednesday afternoon and say, like, dude, what you're missing, Torres, one of the biggest things that the Big Ten has going against it right now is that the footprint of the conference is so big. Like, Iowa is good to go. They're safe. They're fine. Nebraska's good to go. They're safe. They're fine. Ohio State, Penn State, whatever. So, but you got to remember, Rutgers is in New York, and those numbers are – New Jersey, technically, but you get the point. And those numbers are technically trending in the right direction, but people at that school are still scared. People in Maryland are still scared. And so I bring it up to say, maybe the future of Big Ten football in 2020 isn't that every single school plays. Maybe a Rutgers opts out. Maybe a Maryland opts out. Maybe a Northwestern, which is a private academically based school, opts out, but even their parents came out in the last day or so and said that they want to play. So I'm not going to belabor the point. I've gone on long enough. But the point I'm trying to make is that I st I've been saying it for like five episodes now. I do not believe this fight is over. And who knows? Maybe the next step is, in fact, to continue to put pressure via the president on the conference to make this happen. But it will be fascinating to see. Uh, <laughs> and there's clearly no end in sight. It is surreal to watch. But we will continue to check out this story. All right. Uh, really quick before we move to some actual sports-related stuff. Many of you have asked me about the Pac-12, and the Pac-12, of course, is kind of joined at the hip with the Big Ten for the very simple reason that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are the two Power Five conferences that decided to cancel their football seasons almost simultaneously. Big Ten announces they're going to cancel whatever, you know, two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Pac-12 follows suit an hour or two later, and they, of course, assumed everybody was going to follow. They didn't. But it doesn't change the fact that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten are the two big conferences that are not playing college football this fall. 
with one major difference. And that one major difference is very simple. Everyone and their mother, including the president of the United States, are fighting for Big Ten football. Ohio State fans, players, parents, Penn State, Nebraska, Wisconsin, Michigan, on and on and on and on and on. Yet in Pac-12 country, there hasn't really been anyone to go to war, to go to bat for Pac-12 football. And so many of you have asked me, like, dude, I knew the Pac-12 was like falling behind these other Power Five, but like this is embarrassing. Like nobody is going to war for Pac-12 football. And so many of you have asked me, so I figured I'd address it really quickly. And I do have kind of another kind of interesting thought on it afterward. So first of all, I, I think there's three pretty obvious reasons why no one has really gone to bat for the Pac-12. Um, you know, I think the first one is very simply that, um, you know, you guys are right, is that in general, uh, the, the passion for Pac-12 football isn't there, but I'm going to get back to that one in a second because I want to talk about two other issues. One is that it really is above even the schools at this point, okay? So, so I've talked about this with the SEC, and I've certainly talked about it with the Big Ten, but obviously part of this is that the local government has to be in line with the schools themselves, right? And a big part of the reason why the SEC is has moved forward, the uh, the Big 12 has moved forward, is because the governors of those states, the ACC as well, are really like, dude, we want you to play. And so when the governor gives approval, the governor in whatever state, Florida, Texas, uh, you know, wherever, when they give approval, Nebraska, when they give approval, it makes it that much easier for schools in those states to, to push forward and to not feel like they're going to get pressured in the way that, say, the governor of Michigan, Gretchen Whitmer, a.k.a. Cruella DeVille, is pressuring Michigan to not play football. So I think that's one. I think, two, part of it is kind of the same political stuff that we just talked about a minute ago, but in reverse, is that obviously we know kind of where the politics are on the West Coast. And I heard actually Joel Klatt, of all people, uh, oh, oh, I, I should backtrack. So when I say that it's above the conferences, when I say that it's above the school presidents, what I mean is a lot of these places, a lot of these states in the Pac-12 footprint are still on relative lockdown, okay? I live in California. I think it will completely shock you to know gyms are still not open in California. I cannot go to 24-hour fitness or Bally's or Planet Fitness or whatever, I can't go to that. That place is not open right now. And so because of it, Pac-12 teams in many of these states can't even get into their football facilities right now. I texted someone at USC on Wednesday morning to confirm that I'm not going crazy. And he said, the football team right now cannot get into the football facility. And so because of that, I do think that's part of the issue with the Pac-12. No one's really going to bat because everyone knows how far the Pac-12 teams are from actually being ready to play. To be able to play games, you have to be able to get in your weight room to actually lift weights, let alone get onto the practice field, put on pads, hit, do all those things. And here in California, which has four of the 12 Pac-12 schools, as well as Oregon and a lot of other places, um, we're just not even close. And so that's unfortunate, but that is a realistic byproduct of what's going on in the Pac-12. The second thing I just mentioned a minute ago is, um, 
is that something Joel Klatt brought up, and I heard him say this, and I thought it was interesting. Joel Klatt is the lead college football announcer for Fox Sports. Uh, he actually came on this podcast on like episode five. Uh, really good guy. really like Joel. Uh, but what he said was is that kind of if you use the political spectrum, there isn't a lot of a, a, a great win for these Pac-12 coaches and administrators to come out publicly for football, right? To come out publicly for football would be you're going against your local government, you're potentially going in favor of the president, and that maybe doesn't play very well in Berkeley, California, in Palo Alto, uh, in Los Angeles, in uh, um, you know wherever, Seattle, Oregon, etc. And so I think that's part of it as well. But I, I, you know, as I thought about this, and I should reference the last thing, which is, as I just said, is that, the, listen, we all get that the passion for Pac-12 football isn't as big as it is for Big Ten football. It isn't as big as it is for SEC football. Um, you know, Alabama, Tennessee, Georgia, Kentucky, Florida, basically every SEC school except for maybe Vanderbilt. Their fan bases are passionate. In the Big Ten, the fan bases are going to war at Ohio State. They're going to war at Michigan, Nebraska, Penn State, Michigan State for football. And that's not happening in the Pac-12. So those are the reasons why. I did want to say really something that I thought was kind of interesting, though, is I was thinking about why Donald Trump got involved in the Big Ten. And that is that I'm kind of surprised that no one in Pac-12 country has decided as a, polit- a, a, a political figure in Pac-12 country has not decided to go to bat for Pac-12 football. I was just thinking about this relative to the Donald Trump decision. He decides to do it for political reasons. And I was just kind of thinking like, I'm not saying I have all the answers why, but it feels like a pretty easy political win for somebody in these states, whether it is a governor, somebody that's running a pose, you know, that wants to eventually become governor, whatever, to come out in favor of this. I mentioned it a few minutes ago. Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, came out in favor of playing college football when there was a thought that college football might not be played. Texas's governor came out in favor of college football when there was a thought college football might not be played. Tennessee's governor came out in favor of college football when there was a thought college football might not be played. And I'm surprised that no one in the Pac-12 footprint from a political perspective has decided to do it. And again, I know what you guys will say, oh, AT, nobody cares about Pac-12 football. Well, first of all, I can tell you, I live in Southern California, and I promise you, people might not care about Cal or Stanford or UCLA or Arizona State or Arizona football. I promise you, they do care about USC football. And there are a lot of powerful people in Southern California that went to USC, and USC still carries a ton of weight. Never forget that for about 10 years, remember the Rams and Chargers just got to LA 10 minutes ago. For like 10 to 12 years, really for like 30 years, but the last probably from like 2000 to 2011, 2012, USC was pro football in Southern California. They would get 100,000 people at those games. They would get the top-ranked recruiting classes. All the things that Ohio State and Clemson and, and, and Alabama are doing now, USC did that for a decade. And I will tell you, there is still a big percentage of that fan base that believes that they should be Ohio State or Alabama, or Clemson. You go on those message boards, those guys are kooks, those guys are crazy, but it proves the point that people do care about USC. And even beyond that, there is still the topic of high school football, and that's the one that kind of trips me up, because high school football is as American as apple pie, right? Uh, It's something that, that, 
you know, wealthy people, poor people, white, African-American, whatever. Everybody plays high school football. And so to me, I'm just amazed that no one has used this as a political platform because I think it is a very easy win politically in Pac-12 country. But for those of you who are wondering, I do think it has to do with the, 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 fact, the fact that the fan bases are not as big and passionate, but also the, the politics involved in terms of opening up gyms and all those things. And of course, as I said, uh, you know, maybe not as strong of a political win, but you guys have asked me that. And so I did want to address it really quickly. Let's move on to some actual on-the-field news because for once, we actually got on-the-field college football news on Tuesday afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, excuse me, and that was that Jamie Newman, the guy who was projected to be the starting quarterback at Georgia, announced that he is not going to play college football this year. He will instead step away from college football. He said it was COVID-related, and he will focus on the NFL draft. And obviously, look, this has been a big topic because throughout this week, we've had a couple players announce they are not playing. Uh, Jamar Chase, most notably at LSU. Uh, LSU had a couple others announced that they were going to withdraw from school. Uh, and there's been a few. Uh, the kid from Memphis, the running back, he announced that he's pulling out, po- pulling out of school, excuse me, And so with Jamie Newman, though, it was a big story, and it was a story where if you guys have listened to this show long enough, you know that I like to sometimes look at the story behind the story, right? And I try to figure out, is there something else to this story? Because this one didn't didn't jive with me, okay? This one does not make sense to me that a player of Jamie Newman's stature, he comes to Georgia for the bigger stage, for the opportunity to play SEC football with the best teammates that he'll ever play with. For people who don't know, he played at Wake Forest last year, was really good, 26 passing touchdowns, a bunch of rushing touchdowns, really good player. He decides to come to Georgia for this big national stage. And then he decides after six weeks of practice that he's pulling out and he's not playing college football this year. And so to me, it doesn't really make sense. And obviously this is all speculation. This is all my opinion. And maybe there is a logical reason. Maybe he knows somebody who had it. Maybe he knows family members. Maybe he knows somebody who's been hospitalized. I don't know. But I will say this news was genuinely shocking. Seth Emerson, who covers Georgia, maybe the best Georgia beat writer there is for The Athletic, even tweeted, wow. So you know this was a surprising piece of news. And so to me, I'm trying to look at the story behind the story. And I think there might be a story behind the story here. And that story, and yes, I just said the word story 72 times, um, but the story behind the story, I believe, may be that Jamie Newman knew he wasn't going to win the starting quarterback job. And why do I say that? It's because, ironically, as I just spent all this time talking about USC football, uh, Jamie Newman wasn't the only transfer that came into Georgia this offseason. For people who do not follow closely, JT Daniels, who actually was the starter at USC to begin last season... He gets hurt. He plays one really good half, gets hurt, ends up having to miss the rest of the season. He loses the starting job to Keaton Slovis. And so because of it, Alexa transfer, he too ends up at Georgia. And him and Jamie Newman are in a QB competition. Now I will say, JT Daniels has not been medically cleared. He's coming off an ACL injury. But when I saw this Jamie Newman news, the first thought that I had immediately was, I just wonder if he wasn't going to win that starting quarterback job. And you could say whatever you want, and maybe I'm totally wrong. And I like, like if I am, like I'll own it. Like, like if something else comes out, I will own it. But when I look at this situation, I look at Jamie Newman. 
like I said, he is not a guy that is projected to be a super high draft pick in the NFL draft. I saw some draft experts say if the season went well, maybe he could sneak into the top three rounds, but he was projected as a fourth, sixth, fourth fifth, sixth, seventh round draft pick. And so I'm just wondering, like, like, was he about to lose this starting quarterback job to JT Daniels? Because when I look at this whole situation, you have a guy who is going to be a fourth, fifth, sixth round pick, needed this year to improve his draft stock, okay? And then, as I said, comes to Georgia. He goes through the beginning stages of spring practice before COVID-19 eliminates this season. He comes back after COVID-19, works out with the team all of June, all of July, all of August, or I guess June they weren't back, but July, August, September, September two hits, and all of a sudden, he decides to quit. And so to me, it doesn't make sense, right? Like, like, like if you're scared of COVID, that's fine. I will never tell you what you should or should not feel. I will tell you my opinion based on the facts and knowledge that I have. If you're scared of COVID, I have no problem with it all. Completely respect any player's decision to sit out. As I said, there was a kid, Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech. He had family members who got it. He did not want to risk it. He sat out. The kid from Memphis, I believe his name is Keith Gainwell. Same thing. Family members got it, didn't want to be exposed, decided not to play. And maybe that's what happened with Jamie Newman. But it feels weird to me that Jamie Newman would go through spring ball, come all the way back, come to Georgia because it's this great platform where he's going to play with all these great players, go through two and a half months of practice, two weeks away, two and a half, three weeks away from week one, and he decides to quit. Doesn't make sense. And to me, it feels like there is more to this story. It will be interesting to see if anything else comes out. Kirby Smart did release a statement saying essentially that, you know, we fully support him. We've never told any player that they have to play. He'll always be a Georgia Bulldog. We wish we could have coached him, but we're going to support him. But to me, it just doesn't make sense. It will be fascinating to see if in the coming days, weeks, months, eventually Jamie Newman is cleared to play college football, or excuse me, if JT Daniels is cleared to play college football, but something just doesn't add up here. It feels weird that at this point, after all these practices, you would opt out. It'll be interesting to see. All right, a couple quick topics before we get out of here. First of all, um, kind of as an addendum slash follow-up to a few weeks ago, if you remember, there was a report that Jay Wright, we're going to switch to basketball really quick, Jay Wright, head coach of Villanova, right? Uh, for people who do not remember, uh, 76ers get eliminated from the playoffs. 76ers are awful. 76ers get swept by, by the Celtics. Sorry about that noise, people. Uh, get swept by the Celtics. And at that point, there is talk that Jay Wright will become, I don't want to say that there was talk that he would become the 76ers head coach, but there was talk that he would become a candidate with the Philadelphia 76ers. And I said at the time, I didn't buy it. I didn't see it. It didn't make sense as far as I was concerned because I just didn't see the upside in Jay Wright leaving. I didn't see the upside from the fact that he is going to have a really good team next year. They are the preseason number one team, in my opinion. They won 24 games last year, won a th you know, split the Big East title with Seton Hall and Creighton, were in position to get a 2-3-4 seed in the NCAA tournament, could have made a deep run last year, and they basically returned their entire roster this year. I got them number one in the country coming into this year. Uh, he's built for the long haul. They got a top five class in 2021, so they're going to keep this thing rolling after this year. Philadelphia, while it is his hometown, while he would not have to move, 
that organization is a mess. And I talked a lot about this uh, the other day. I put, should probably get to the point, which is that Jay Wright turned down the Philadelphia 76ers. And again, I'm just not surprised in any way, shape, or form because, well, look, I believe that every college basketball coach, I, I, I do think there is always going to be some interest in coaching at the highest level. I do think there are some players or some guys that are better suited for the NBA than for college basketball or some guys that are better suited for the NBA than others amongst college basketball coaches. Like I thought Billy Donovan, if he ever went, would be good. He's calm. He's cerebral. He's not a yeller. He's not a screamer. He'd probably make sense as an NBA head coach. Rick Pitino probably wouldn't. Rick Pitino, one of the great X's and O's guys ever, but he is not a guy that you want yelling and screaming at you, especially when you're getting paid $20 million a year. Same with John Calipari. Love John Calipari, one of the all-time greats at the college level. Don't really see how it makes sense for him to go back to the NBA at this point in his career. He's making more money than he could ever spend, and it just doesn't really make sense. And so I only bring this up very simply to say that I am not surprised at all that Jay Wright did turn down the Philadelphia 76ers. As I said a minute ago, top two to three team coming into next year. And by the way, in a year where continuity is going to be more important than ever, I do think that's important for Jay Wright. I do think that's important for Villanova. They basically returned their whole team in a summer where teams weren't allowed to practice together. They weren't allowed to work out together. I think that matters. Like I said, top five recruiting class coming in next year. But more importantly, it's just the 76ers part of it as well. Like I was saying, great organization, just made the playoffs. But you have two superstars that don't seem to like each other, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I mean, Jimmy Butler's still chirping. He left the 76ers eight months ago, a year ago, and he's still chirping about the 76ers. Um, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, all these guys making a ton of money that don't really fit with the guys that they have. So I never really saw it, never really made sense to me. And so because of it, I am not surprised at all. And like I said, Jay Wright will be back. And guess what? That Philadelphia 76 or that Villanova team is loaded going into 2020-2021. If we get a college basketball season, we're going to get a college basketball season. Look for them to be a national championship contender. All right, two quick shout-outs before we get out of here. Um, for those of you who are have been listeners of this show for a long time, we used to do a thing at the end called shout-out of the day, right? Where it'd just be like a quirky, weird story um, that maybe... Uh, isn't sports related or falls through the cracks or maybe it's not big enough for a whole segment. But, you know, it was, it was something that, you know, we just did that was fun because, you know, sometimes, especially now, like, like sometimes we just need a laugh, right? And so I want to bring back shout out of the day, even if it's just for one day. And today's shout out of the day goes to Carol Baskin. Not sure if you remember Carol Baskin. Remember that whole Tiger King craze? of the early uh, pandemic of late March and early April? Remember Joe Exotic? Remember Doc Antle and his weird cult thing going on at his place? And then there was Carol Baskin. What's up, all you cool cats and kittens? Well, Carol Baskin, you know, she's laid pretty low over these last couple months, um, probably because there was actually a reinvestigation into the murder of her first husband. If you remember Tiger King, there was pretty strong evidence, or at least the documentary framed it to seem as though there's pretty strong evidence that, you know, she killed her first husband and fed him to the Tigers. Not sure if you remember that, but that was like a big part of one of the episodes of Tiger King. Joe Exotic's coming after her. Joe Exotic's joking on his little live stream uh, YouTube video about uh, her killing her husband. 
but she's laid pretty low ever since then. And maybe that's part of it, is that she's getting investigated, you know, because of murdering her first husband. She did join Cameo, much like me, by the way. I'm on Cameo. Aaron underscore Torres, if you want to shout out personalized video. But Carol Baskin back in the news on Wednesday because she's joining Dancing with the Stars. And I really, like, I don't know what to say about this. Like, this is just one, like, like it's so 2020, right? I mean, it's like, like every time you think this year can't get crazier, it gets crazier. And now we got Carol Baskin, Tiger Woman, Dancing with the Stars. My only real thought is, it's like the old saying goes. It's like the old proverb. I don't know if it was Confucius or who it was, but it was like, you know, sometimes in life, it really does pay to... Kill your husband and feed him to the tigers, allegedly. I just can't believe Carol Baskin. Like, I'm going to be flipping channels with my wife at some point this fall. Like, on a Tuesday night, once the NBA bubble ends, there's going to be no sports on during the week. I'll be flipping channels. Oh, Dancing with the Stars. Oh, Aaron Andrews. And oh, whatever. I don't even know who's on Dancing with the Stars. Oh, there's Carol Baskin. Oh, that woman from the tiger sanctuary. All you cool cats and kittens. Dancing with the Stars. I don't get it. I don't understand. It's insane. I'll tell you this, <laughs> I actually might watch Dancing with the Stars a little bit more now, thanks to Carol Baskin, but Carol freaking Baskin's on Dancing with the Stars, what is this world coming to? All right, last special shout out of the day. So, um, so a lot of you, we've, we've got a lot of new listeners to this show, okay? And one thing I do at the end of every show is do shout out to Torrent Craig, Shout out to Rachel who hates my voice. Um, but quickly, I, before I explain why, I want to give a quick shout out of the day to the man who originated the first one, Torrent Craig, whose real name is Tory Craig. If you were watching game seven of Nuggets Utah Jazz, obviously you saw how it ended, right? Big bucket by Denver. Utah comes down. They try to run a play. They turn the ball over uncontested layup, missed by Denver, Utah goes down, attempts a three-point shot. Well, what got lost in the shuffle of that game was that if that dude had missed the three-point shot, uh, it would have gone down, if that guy had made the three-point shot because of Denver's miss of the layup, it would have gone down as like one of the great missed shots in the history of basketball. It would have gone down, that layup would have gone down with Scott Norwood's missed kick in the Super Bowl, Leon Lett fumbling the ball on Thanksgiving, like, like whatever. It would have been one of the great bloopers of all time. Well, the guy who missed that layup, and it was somebody who listens to this podcast who pointed it out to me, shout out to Wade who told me, was a guy named Tory Craig. And you might be like, dude, why do you care about Tory Craig? Tory Craig is the origin of shout out to Torrent Craig. And so for those of you who are new, and some of you have asked me, like, what does this mean? Shout out to Torrent Craig. It's a little story time with AT here. So I just want to get to this story real quick. I'll explain it. And for people who are wondering, why do I shout out this guy, Torrent Craig, every episode? Here's why. Uh, it was about a year and a half ago. Uh, if you remember, it was like May, April of last year, maybe June. RJ Hampton, really good high school player, high school basketball player, announces he's not going to play college basketball. And instead, he's going to go overseas to Australia to play professionally. And you could go back and listen to that episode. It's still in my archives. But what I said at the time, what RJ Hampton said at the time was this league will better prepare me for, this is the best place for me to prepare as a pro for the NBA. And I said, look, if you just want to get paid, that's fine. 
If you want to get paid, that's fine. No one doesn't want a paycheck, right? But do not tell me that Australia is the best place to play professional basketball, okay? I'm sorry, it's not. If you want to play professionally, the best place to prepare you is actually the G League. And at the time, RJ Hampton could have played in the G League. Also, for everything that's wrong with college basketball, there are still a lot of benefits to it. And by the way, I should mention RJ Hampton's draft stock is going down heading to the draft. I think he probably should have just played college basketball, neither here nor there. But I basically said it on this podcast, and then I wrote an article basically saying like, look, I don't really care what the kid does, but please do not tell me that going to Australia is going to best prepare you for the NBA draft. I said it because if RJ Hampton had gone to college, he would have gone to Kansas. Kansas' first game of the season was against Duke. Duke was coming off a year where they had Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett. Instead, he goes to a league where the reigning MVP is Andrew Bogut, who can't even get off the bench for the Golden State Warriors. Their reigning rookie of the year at the time was a guy who couldn't even play in college basketball at Marquette. It was Harry Froling, I think his name was. And so I just basically, I, I spent like a whole episode in an article just crushing this Australian league. And I'm like, look, it's a fine league, but let's stop acting like it's NBA 2.0, NBA Junior. It's like it's a, it's a, like a, a, the fifth or sixth best league in the world. I'm not saying it's college basketball has to be the answer, but don't use it as an excuse. Don't, don't say that the best place that you can prepare for the NBA is going to Australia because it's not. Best place to, play, to prepare is the G League. Best place to prepare is playing for, you know, one of these Spanish League teams or Greek League teams or Italian League teams. So anyway, I did this rant and I did this article and the article blew up on Twitter because a couple NBA draft writers, oh, Torres, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Blah, blah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that some league that had an MVP of Andrew Bogut who can't even get off the bench for a good NBA team is trash. I'm sorry. And so I, so I had, after I tweeted that article, I had these draft guys retweet it, tell me I'm an idiot, and then I had the whole country of Australia on my ass about this, this comment about RJ Hampton. So we're going to get to the Tory Craig stuff in a second. But as I'm, I'm getting crushed day after day, every time I open my Twitter, I have 100 new mentions. You're an idiot. You're an embarrassment. You're an embarrassment to America. Blah, 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 blah. So one guy even goes so far as to say, look at all the players our league produced. Are you telling me our league's bad? Look at all the players we produced. We produced Terrence Ferguson, who's terrible, by the way. We produced this guy. We produced Bogut. We produced that guy. We produced Torrent Craig. And I was like, wait a second now. I watch a lot of college basketball. I watch a lot of NBA. Who the hell is Torrent Craig? And I did a bunch of Google research, and I'm searching, and I'm searching, and I'm Googling, and I'm searching. I can't find a Torrent Craig anywhere. Finally, it dawns on me, this guy that the Australian fans are bragging about, the Australian fans who are claiming that their league is incredible, this great basketball haven, they're telling me the, the basketball haven is because they produced Tory Craig, who, by the way, went to an American college. But the funny part was they couldn't even get his name right. They called him Torrent Craig. And so I had all of Australia on my ass telling me I don't know what I'm talking about, telling me their league's amazing. And the best example they could use of a player that they produced is Torrent Craig, who's a fictional character. And so Torrent Craig, shout out to Torrent Craig, the real Torrent Craig, Tory Craig, who is actually a very good basketball player. I've been watching a lot of this bubble stuff. He missed the layup that would have essentially sealed the game for the Nuggets. And if Mike Conley had made that three at the buzzer, it would have gone down as one of the worst misses in the history of basketball. 
but I could not help but laugh when I saw that it was Tory Craig. Shout out to Torrent Craig, um, you know, who missed the layup. So that's the Torrent Craig story. Many of you have asked. I'm sure I'm going to have to continue to tell it uh, as we pick up more and more listeners. But I think that's all for today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Someday I'll tell the Rachel Who Hates My Voice story. That's another good one. But not today. Uh, I've gone on long enough rambling about Torrent Craig and everything that comes with it. So first of all, I want to thank you guys for listening to today's Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. We are back officially. We are going to be doing three episodes a week. I will say next week, realistically, probably not going to do a Monday episode because I don't think there's going to be a ton changing Monday to Tuesday. So I will be back probably Tuesday. No Monday episode next week. Enjoy the holiday. Uh, My buddy who edits this, Nick Roush from Kentucky Sports Radio, I'm sure he wants to enjoy his holiday, so I will not be doing a Monday episode. I'll be back Tuesday. Until then, make sure that you're subscribed to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Do it on iTunes, the Podcast Addict app. If you have an Android, Podcast Addict is the way to go. Podbean, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, wherever you listen to the Aaron Torres Sports Podcast. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure to rate and review the show. Give us a quick five stars. Uh, Instagram, Aaron underscore Torres underscore sports underscore podcast on Instagram. Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter. Aaron Torres podcast questions if you have any questions for the show. Uh, And I think that's it. I will be back Tuesday. I hope everyone has a great holiday weekend and we'll speak soon. So shout out to my boy Torrent Craig. Shout out to Tory Craig, who almost actually missed a season-changing layup. Shout out to Carol Baskin. Shout out to Rachel, who hates my voice. And I will be back sometime next week. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.